Pablo across the way. That's so that's very awesome. exciting. I sound, yeah. I didn't win, but nah, I did sing in front it. of, I didn't even play. Pam, what the fuck? I, I thought know. you were going to like be, I killed it and I was a shit. I'm a legendary karaoke God performer, not right, singer. Right, so right. I did a hat dance and I had a, and I had a chair dance with a little boa and I, anyways, I, I sang in front of like it. 400 people. Dude, that sounds really great. That sounds amazing. Sure so, but you You're tuned in. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. You know what time it is. You know what we're going to do here. It's time for Some Call Me Tim. Trying to time that out. Tim! (laughs) Welcome to the show on Mutiny Radio when we discuss what people believe in. I'm very excited that today we have two interviewees on the Some Call Me Tim podcast. The first is going to be Pablo Yale, and the second will be Sister of Perpetual Indulgence, Rosemary Chicken. Really exciting podcast today for all you listeners. Right now, we have Pablo Yale. Yay! Hello! Hi! Thanks for having me. Hi! Thanks so much for being here. Yay! Uh, so this is the show where we talk about what people believe in, whether that be uh, religiously based or a religiously based, or whether it be conspiracy theories or aliens or cats. I usually right. start with uh, we have our savior in the corner. I don't know if you saw Sparkle Jesus. Sparkly Jesus. Yes. Sparkle Jesus. I, I, yeah, Sparkly Jesus. I saw him like when I was on um, uh, Afternoon Delight oh, about a month ago. Yeah. I love those yeah. girls. Afternoon Delight every mm-hmm. Thursday from 4 to 6 with Amanda Rocks and Sarah Sparkles. Yes. And of course she loved Sparkle Jesus. Yes. So uh, do you were you do you believe in Jesus? Were you raised believing in uh, the Savior? Uh, I was I was baptized, uh, I guess, it's like right, right after I was born, I guess. Um, so Catholicism, family of Catholicism? No, my mom studied Catholicism. She used to work in a monastery in like a cafeteria there. Um <laughs> But no, uh, let's see here. I guess when I was six, I was baptized Methodist. And then, then I guess later on, I joined the, I guess when I was eight, I joined the Presbyterian Church in Santa Cruz. Of your own volition? Or was this, you just following your family? Did- yeah, we, we stopped going to the Methodist Church and then we started going to the Presbyterian Church. Um, but but then something happened when I was 13 years old. And Wait, before I, we get to that, did you believe when you were six, when you were eight? Yes. You believed that yes. Jesus, Jesus is, is, is real and you had to... Jesus loves I, me, this I know, for yeah. the Bible tells me so. Yeah, because that's what the songs that's were saying we at the time. All yeah. the time. <laughs> to all the little children he belongs. Yeah. Uh, so when you were 13, something tr- dramatic happened. Yes. Um, a, uh, let's see, a Pan Am Flight 103, I believe it was. <gasps> it was on a plane. No, I wasn't on that plane. Oh, okay. Good, because I've been talking to you, because nobody yeah. survived that plane. No one, were you supposed to be on that plane? No. Oh, okay. So no. why No, I saw a- it on the news. <gasps> and it affected you deeply. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it was it was a plane that was flying over Lockerbie, Scotland, <coughs> and a couple terrorists decided to put a, bar- a bomb in a briefcase and put it on the flight. Whoa. And the plane blew up, and then the plane fell down on the small town in Lockerbie, and 
killed everybody that was in its path as well. Wow. So, so, the pe- so, so there were no survivors on the plane and people that were sleeping in their homes early that morning just woke up to you know, a 747 in their front yard. Right. Or on top of them, as it were. People died in their homes. So you saw it on the news. You were yes. watching the news at night and you saw this and you said, God can't exist because all these people are dead. Well, the question I asked was, how can God let something like this happen? Ah, and did it start? It started a, a chain reaction in your brain of philosophy. Well, I wouldn't say a reaction, but it's yeah, it certainly started. It's it certainly started my my in, peak my interest in philosophy and questions like that, like the God um, paradox. So I just after that, I just started you know just studying more philosophy on my own, school like that, and asking more questions. And then I just really just kind of grew out of just going to church and stopped believing. And it, it all started because of a plane crash. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So you started studying of your own volition. That's unusual for a 13-year-old. You yeah. were reading and doing research. Yeah. And you were seriously interested about the question of yeah. whether God exists or not. And what, and what led you, was, is there any specific text that you said, you know what, I'm going to be Buddhist now, or I'm going to be, or is it just religion is for shit, I'm done? Yeah, I didn't really have any alternative religions to turn to, um, you know, or that I knew of. I just I just started, you know, started reading the Bible. and Actually, uh, the longer I read it, the more I got bored with it. Huh. And when you turn 13, um, they stop sending you to the youth group. So you stop doing all the fun things on Sunday, like making arts and crafts and arcs out of like popsicle sticks and stuff like that um and you start going to regular church so you just stand sit there for like an entire hour at church and then sing songs and then you stand up and then you sit down and then you stand up again and then you sing and then you sit down again and then sometimes you're sitting when you're sitting down i'm like why are we doing this why am i doing this and it didn't give you that sense of ritual did not give you a closer relationship with it kind of pushed me away from it actually from it that's funny because usually religion people enjoy religion because of the structure or because of the ritual and somehow that ritual yeah helps you relate to the higher power but in this case you know that was so like bored. it was it was such a culture shock it was like it's like going from like kindergarten to like high school you know right like the really big separation you know not that i'm you know so for some people you know you know presbyterianism that's for them and they love it you know but um not for me. But not your thing. So what's your thing now? Um, let's see here. Well, I do comedy, stand-up comedy. All right. That's uh, a, that's its own that's its own religion with its own <laughs> rituals and, and ways to go about certainly things. Is, and, certainly it is. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I've also been a judge for a game called Magic the Gathering for I love years. Magic the Gathering. I've been, so do I've I. been playing. I started playing in 93 in college. Oh, that's regular when can. Yeah, exactly. You still I, have those from, cards? Of course, I have so many. I still play. Okay. I, I actually, um, when I was teaching junior high in like 97 through uh, like, I don't know, 2001, mm-hmm. I used Magic the Gathering in my classroom to teach math. Because that's good. it's so great for ratios. It is. It's really good for ratios and... And it's higher order thinking. Higher thinking. It's also a good float, like for program, it's a good flow chart example. Because yeah. the turn structure is very structurized. So you have to go to this before this and then that. Side, right. And you have to turn that sideways. And you can't have more than four of a specific card in your deck. And when you're forming your decks, you can have themes yeah. to your deck. It wasn't always the case. In the very first tournaments, there there was no four card limit. You so people were playing the, the channel Fireball deck. Sure, 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 sure. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love Fireballs. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, red, red, black decks. Yes. I, I enjoy, I have, I have a deck, I call it the, the poet deck, and everything's mm-hmm. a one-one banding, and they're all like white creatures. But you still have banding. That's... Oh, yeah. But the beauty <laughs> of it is they're all, I call it the poetry reading, because it's just all one-ones, and they're easy to come out, and they all have special abilities. But it doesn't look scary in team play until I have 13 creatures out there all at the poetry reading together, yeah. and then I band them, and then I'm like, aha. Mm-hmm. You weren't afraid of the poetry reading, were you? Uh, da, 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 da. Nice. And a lot of flying, a lot of flying Penner one ones. Just annoy you, just to fly in and be like, dink, dink, dink. Yeah, that's that's still a really good strategy, actually. I'm an annoying player. Yeah. I, Unfortunately, banding has banding has gone the way of the dinosaur almost. Right. Um, well, it was people didn't necessarily understand. There's so many new tactics was, that people use too, and I don't think they're necessarily fair. Like ice walk or mountain walk or when you mm-hmm. when you can when your creatures can't be blocked by a certain color and you know you're yeah. playing that other color deck and don't, even, like, don't even start about, start about vehicles vehicles is a new thing in the game v- vehicles yes you can actually put your creatures in vehicles well the thing is it's like uh it's it's an artifact type okay okay um says vehicle on it and it'll have like a crew number so you simply tap any number of creatures with power at least or you know at least up to that number you turn them sideways and then you turn that artifact into a creature and you can attack with it oh wow and it's just but it's a colorless it's a colorless whatever you make it so you can make like an 8-8 or whatever yeah you put them in a car you put them in you put creatures in the car and they drive and then right before combat ends they jump out I'm so glad that Magic the Gathering is continuing on with new gameplay and they're changing because it's been yeah. around for over 20 over years. 20 years. Yeah, so like they're, I think they're in, I think they might be in their 21st or 22nd year right now. And so it evolves. Yeah. So good. I've been a judge for a very long time. You're a judge. Yeah. That's how does that work? Um, well the way it began was like when they began the the DCI judge program, um, they looked at a lot of judges that were like already in like this um, uh, in-store program called Arena, uh-huh. right, that were running events and reporting them regularly. And they saw that I was do that, and they um, they came after you. They sought you out. Yeah, they they sent me a letter, a nice a nice big Manila envelope, and it had and it had a badge, and it had a letter, and it had a certificate, and I still have that certificate hanging in my room. So, so cool. Yeah. And do they pay you? Um, no, actually, that's the thing. Um, I'm actually involved in a class action lawsuit against Roses of the Coast. Wow! That's so, so funny because I was going to say you guys should like unionize as uh, hosts I, or as I think judges. We well, let's see. There's two There's two separate cases. There's, um, there's Shaw et al., which is filed separately than my case. My case represents level one judges. Gotcha. Because I've been a level one judge for the majority of my judge career. I was a level two for a short time, and I got to do um, an event in France, which was like the largest event. I, wow. I think it was back in 2007, 2008. I have some Italian cards that have Italian on them, but uh, yeah, foreign not cards. French. Yeah, I have, I have some German, some Italian. They actually sent Wizards actually sent me an Italian Legends pack. Huh. Yeah. At least they're sending you gifts. They're not paying you, but they're giving you special. They're not paying us cash, but I think, but I believe that they should. That they should. And they should have done it for a long time. There, there's this great place. I went and visited uh, Seattle not too long ago, and they are serious about magic because Mm -hmm. it's so cold, and the winter. And what do you do? And I went to this amazing cafe where you all play magic, and it's attached to a store that sells magic cards. So you can sit in your game, Mm -hmm. and you can order cards 
for your next game. You can be like, oh, I need it. And you can scroll through a pad and you can order cards oh, wow. and they'll bring them to your table. Oh, brilliant. And they put it on your bill. So it's like you're literally playing Dominion while you're playing Magic the Gathering. Yeah, you can just <laughs> call cards in whenever you want. You're like, oh, I really need one of that. If you didn't bring all your cards, you're just going to buy some. Or it's, it's, it's a fun place. I don't remember what it's called, but I'm super down okay. with the idea. Was it a Wizards of the Coast store? Cause I think no, no. Big, okay, so it wasn't that one. No, okay. it was, uh, but it was big and it was fun. Okay. So, we're dorks. We like Magic the Gathering. Yes. With all their so. fun satanic pictures and <laughs> you're, yeah. Not all of them are satanic no, anymore. No, I know. That's I true. Know. My favorite one was the Ebon Praetor and it's my favorite picture because it's a big, tall rabbit mm-hmm. like a, you know, like a Harvey and another little, like, like spawn creature and they're holding a thrall creature with both of their hands and they're bringing him up to like a sorcerer's thing and you basically yes. sacrifice a thrall and right I but you're not actually picture. sacrificing anything it's just a card game it's just for fun it, exactly for yeah and when I was teaching it and I was using it for math so many parents were like you're teaching Satan craft and I was like no I'm helping your junior high boys yeah. learn turn taking skills and how to win and lose gracefully and how to yeah. use higher order thought and ratios to put together a good balanced deck and how to make choices about anyways I think it's I think it's great for, for math and for kids and I almost got in trouble because of the satanic overtones that parents see they're like oh, it's so dark well they're, no, no. they're only looking at the black cards most. Right, those absolutely. are all the ones that are black I mean it's like there's like wrath of God I mean it's got God in the title how could it be black, sure, how right? could I make sure yeah right. yeah yeah match the gathering yeah so you believe in Magic the Gathering. That's good. What else What else are things that you... Uh, believe in? Yeah. I try to put my faith in people. Oh, that's unusual. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do something like that? People will always fail you. Uh, well, if it really depends on like... if My philosophy is like the way that you want the world to be is the way you should live. Okay. So if you want people to be trustworthy, if you want them to like, you know, exceed your expectations, you know, well, one really easy way to have people exceed your expectations is to keep your expectations low. Right. Um, but if you put faith in people, you know, and you give them good tools, you know, you know, like a lot of being a judge is, is a lot about mentoring and teaching other sure. players how to become judges. So um, there are there were players that wanted to become judges that some of my other judge friends were like, no, not this person. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try. And you know it because like this person's smart, this person is capable, and this person I like this person. And they really like magic. And they really like magic together. <laughs> right. So I think anybody that wants to become a judge should become a judge and should contact a local judge in their area. Um, but I put my faith in this person who happened to be a woman, and she's still judging and she's still doing still and she's still doing really well. So That's great. Excuse my stutter sometimes. Uh, one <laughs> of the things that I loved about Magic the Gathering and the reason that I played it so egregiously in college and then forward through my life is that it was the first time in my life that I hung out with men where I wasn't, there was no sexual context and I wasn't seen as a woman or a girl or whatever. I was seen as a player. And it was one of the first times I've ever felt true equality with dudes. It really pleases me to hear that because there there are some women out there, judges and players, who don't have that experience. Oh no, I feel, and if I get questioned, I can make my game playing skill speak for itself, that Mm -hmm. it doesn't have, it has nothing to do with gender. It has nothing to do with that. The game itself should have nothing to do with gender. Right. Anybody that, that, you know, 
says that women aren't capable of running the game or, you know, obviously don't know enough about the game. Right. Like several female uh, pro players, ex you know, it's been it's been shown and proven like some of them, like they, they excel faster than than most males in the formats um, at becoming pro. Huh. Yeah. So yes. in literally like in less than a year, I think uh, I can't remember her name, but I think she's from the East Coast. Um, in eight months, she turned from she started playing the game, and then she started doing pro events and earning pro points. Awesome. Yeah. Pro points. Yeah, I've never, I've never gotten that. I never yeah. got that far. Do you just, still play Magic? This absolutely. Okay. I play. I, Are I, you I, more of a casual player? Yeah, I usually okay. have a deck in my bag, and I'm surprised I don't right now because I okay. usually I, do. I have some in my car. Uh, I have a bag that I got. Um, so it has like all my like EDH decks. I got, I got to show you EDH. If you have never played Commander or EDH, I've played um, the in, like the Imperial style with six people, where there's one person like the Emperor. Okay. Yeah, that's and, a multiplayer format. Yeah, I've I've done that with six players. Okay, three on three. Commander is kind. It's it's more. It, there's more rules on the how do you construct your decks. Oh. It actually began in a store I think up in Alaska, and people just wanted like, hey, you know, what? I've got all these legendary cards. What are we going to do with them? And then they just started came up, coming up with this rule where you take you pick one legendary creature as your general, uh -huh. and then the colors in your deck have to match that general's um, casting cost. Sure. And um, it's a singleton format, so you can only have one of any card in your deck that's oh, not a basic land. Okay. Um, but your deck size is 100. Oh, wow. That's a big deck. It is. Whoa. And if you have one card of each, you have no control over what's coming out. See, that's why, that's why I like the multiple card thing, yeah. because it makes your themed decks easier, and you know exactly what's going to come out, because you know mm -hmm. what you've put in there. And yeah. I kind of enjoy that, because it's the streamlined. Mm -hmm. I don't like having more than 60 cards at this point. I like, And I even think that's a big deck. Yeah. 60 cards. 100 cards, no yeah. repetition. Wow. Yeah. They did this be mainly to keep the format long. They wanted, they wanted sure. a game that would last an hour or two. Right. Because they live in Alaska, and it's sad and dark and lonely. Yeah. It's well, yeah. When the when the lights are out, you're gonna stay inside. Sure. Yeah. It's it's really cold up there. You don't yeah. want to go out like 20 minutes. Like, okay, medic done. I'm bored. Go back in the snow. No, you want to stay inside where it's warm for right. a while. So um, created a game. So, so in a card shop up there, they they just yeah. You know, I think it was like three or four guys. I can't remember their names, but I know um, Sheldon Menery, um, who was a a level a high level judge uh, from the Florida area. Um, he caught wind of it and he started sharing the format with judges at events and then the judges started playing it and the players started to see it right. all the professional ones and they wanted to play it too and then wizards um very smartly um i think five or six years ago um took the edh format they they came up with a new name for it called it commander and now you can actually buy decks in the store at like at your friendly local game store, or if you don't have one in your area that's a friendly local game store, you can go to a, you know like a big box store like a Target or a Walmart. And you sure. can find these decks, you can buy them off the shelf, and you can just start playing right away. A so it's a hundred cards, but they give you enough mana, so you're fine. Yes. Right. Yeah, these decks come with... Deck. Yeah. Yeah. Our, well, let's see here. There's a new five-color deck that just came out. Um, you may have to tweak the mana base a little bit of it, because it's a five-color deck. Sure. Um, they put too many basics in it. You need more dual lands in it. Right, right, right. Um, I have a lot of dual lands. But after 20 years, there's so many you know dual lands and fetch lands that you can use. So mana isn't a problem. Right. You know, no matter what commander you want to use. You can. How much does one of these decks run for? Um, they retail for about $35. Oh, okay, that's not bad. Yeah. I see. I don't like pre-made. I don't like pre-made purchase decks. Yeah. I mean, just because I part of. The majority of the fun for me mm -hmm. is sitting in a room with all my cards and thinking, 
what theme am I going to do now? Yeah. And I come up with weird. I've got the mother-in-law deck that's all blue black. She was just mean. And so it's all like whip tongue frog, you know, and like all this that's other a good, That's a good theme for a deck. It's, it's the mother-in-law deck. So that, she's just, it's like. I want to build a commander deck now called the mother-in-law deck. It's just mm. all mean cards just, that just fuck with you. Like blue, mm. just blue cards that are just I forgot spells. this is it. Yeah, we can say whatever we want. We can say fuck. Yeah, we okay. can say fuck all we okay. want. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about Jesus too. I'm so excited that you love magic. I, I, yeah. I rarely meet other dorks that we're in the same similar age group that have been doing it for this long yeah. that are still into it still into it yeah did you ever play with a, a guy named Jopchi no okay because no. he used to he, he used to live up here in the San Francisco area Sun Tzu is my um, yeah he you he know started, Sun Tzu what's that you know Sun Tzu David, he's he's a big, big magic player. He used to have a show here okay. that was about Magic the Gathering. It was on Wednesday nights I, from 10 to If minutes. I saw him, I'd probably recognize him from all the tournaments that I've Yeah, he does so. tournaments all the time. He's okay. like uh, ins- insane about it. He knows so much. Like, that. But uh, he gave me a deck called Soul Sisters. And he <gasps> it. Oh, I love Soul Sisters. Soul Sisters. Yes. I yeah, actually, I created that deck and started playing with it. It's, it's popular in the modern format. Um, which is there's there's more than just type one and type two now. Um, there's there's dozens of formats, um, but yeah, but it's a deck that just gains an immense amount of life, so much so that it's impossible for your opponent to win. Yeah, that's why he gave it to me because I I usually use a lot of like angel white cards that are mm-hmm. like a congregation where suddenly you have for every I use congregation in my poet deck because for every creature you have on the field you get. Uh, like two points and so then I'm at yeah. like 56 points or something and it's Brilliant. 56 life and no one can beat me and it's just annoying as fuck so let's get our audience back and say why why do you like Magic the Gathering so much um it's just a it's a it's a it's a mixture of like a lot of good things you know it's like it's got like a chess component with the cards and then you know and attacking and stuff like that it's got a poker element to it so it's like building. It's basically like building your own poker deck and then playing chess with it. Right. I think that's probably the most accurate way I can do it. But it's also been a, a really like you know for um, community building oh. aspect of my life. I've I've gotten I've made friends with it. Those friends have gotten me jobs. Wow. So yeah, I became a I became a manager at a blockbuster video because I was playing arena with the friends. And now know. there's no blockbuster video. Yeah, yeah, but. Think times change and things yeah. move on. Right. Except and magic changes as well. So magic isn't the same game as it was 20 years ago. No, definitely not. No, but but certainly the work involved in judging, you know, and staying on your feet for hours on for multiple hours a day, you know, that continues. So. Uh, I love playing uh, young kids because I don't take it easy on them, and I always <laughs> tell them, uh, when you beat me, you actually beat me. Like yeah. I'll never throw a game, and I tell them that when I start. Like I'll help you. You could show me your cards and I'll help you, but I'll yeah. never throw a game. Nor should you. Nor should I. And so when they actually do beat me, it's like a big fucking deal. <laughs> They're like, That's really cool. I beat Pam, I did it. I'm like, good for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, re- it becomes a real accomplishment instead of, yeah. you know, I, I actually did some tutoring uh, um, back when I was in college a, a couple of years ago. I went back to school to get an accounting degree, and then um, I was also working at a game store. And there was this kid that wanted to play, learn to play Magic the Gathering, so his mom brought him over to me and asked me very nicely. And I took the time out, and I showed him how to play, and she was very impressed. And then we started talking, you know, outside of the store. She's like, I would like to hire you to teach my son more about Magic. Wow. So, yeah. 
So that is a thing too. You could be a magic tutor. That's amazing. Yeah. I've had the opportunity. I've run like aftercare programs and when kids play magic, I'm like, sweet, perfect. Because what were we going to do for an hour and a half? Now we're going to play magic. And Absolutely. I just, I, it's, it's a great way to, I don't know if burning time is the right way to put it. Like, what are we doing on this earth? Mm-hmm. It's just a fun way to burn some time and have some fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, do you, do you believe in any, do you, do you negate like the structures of religion? Do you, are you, how do you, do you consider yourself an atheist now? What do you, do you not I, like labels? I would say I'm an atheist. Um, I guess I'm leaning, leaning, a leaning agnostic atheist because I'm open to the possibility that there could be a God out there, okay. but I need to see the proof. Right. So. Need to see the proof. Yeah. Do you have any kids? I have no kids. You have no kids. I've never been married. I play Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I, but I do too. I mean, I've, I've, my ex-husband used to play Magic too, and that was one of the ways that we connected. Was it was a nice. fun. It's a fun thing to do with your partner. Uh, yes. So, do you believe in an afterlife? Mm. What happens after we die? Basically, is my question. Well, I used to believe that until I figured out, like you know, the whole light at the end of the tunnel and and seeing your relatives and stuff like that. Um, test pilots also experienced that same thing too when they went through centrifuge training. So what it what what it is? It's actually it's like a lack of oxygen to your brain right before you pass out. Like nitrous. Yeah. Like nitrous, yeah. You're like you're, when you get the secret of all life, mm-hmm. and then it goes away, and you're like, "What was it?" And it's because you were about to pass out. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's probably why kids spin around on concrete, <laughs> spinning around, and it's because we're all trying to experience. Kids, if you want to experience life after death, just spin really just fast. Spin on the really playground. fast. Just, yeah. Yeah, but make sure you, you hold Grass. on really tight. Strap yourself in or something. Right. And don't that, hurt yourselves. That must be why the uh, tire. If swings. you do hurt yourselves, it's your own fault. Don't don't sue me any right now. <laughs> <laughs> tire swings. Spin around. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Your friend. Like, right. Yeah, spin, I think my spin, brother spin, used to spin, do that. Spin, he spin, used spin. to wind the rope and he's like, "Get in, Paul," and, like, and then get in, and he'd like, like let go and run away, and then I would just like fly off. Yeah. So you have an older brother. I do. That's yes. right. 18 months older. Yes. Did you get along as kids? We went, we went, we got along great. You did. That's great. Yeah. We shared our Legos. We shared, we shared our GI Joes. We shared our Transformers. Actually, I didn't, let's see here. Um, I actually, I, I had to be Cobra. He got to be GI Joe. Oh. So I got all the Cobra stuff. He got all the GI Joe. Um, I always lost. I didn't like that. Sure. But when we played Transformers, I got to be the Autobots. He got to be the Decepticons. Ah. And then still, I would always lose. I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's your old brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted. I, I didn't want to get. You know. Does he punched. play magic? Um, he did for a short time. Um, he sent me his cards from Germany. He told me, asked me to sell them. I still have them. I haven't gotten around. Um, well, I still have most of them. Um, some of the cards got stolen, which oh, is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, he had some nice German dual lands and stuff like that. Sure. But I, st- I still have his um, Swatchenritters, which are, I think, white knights. Oh, hey, that's a good one, especially from Germany. Yeah. Yeah, lots of fun racist overtones. Yeah. Uh, to change the subject, mm-hmm. a lot of this show, has, the reason the show started is that uh, the rampant Islamophobia in the United States started making me really upset. And so I wanted uh. to hear, you know, where everybody was coming from, because it seems like whether you are religious or a religious, 
you don't need that to be a moral or an ethical person. You really don't, no. So I'm, I've just become like interested in what people think about other religions. You don't have any like you uh, have no hair so I don't want to <laughs> do, do people often accuse you like especially lately in this racist climb that we're dealing with that skinhead oh yeah I, I tend to get that a lot and in my comedy routine I kind of I kind of poke fun at it a little bit because yeah. um, uh, when I went to Germany to, um, to judge um, my brother picked me up from the airport he was he, he spent like I think 10 or 15 years in Germany because he joined the army right after high school and they stationed him in uh, Frankfurt and then he quit and then he started doing apprenticeships in various places and stuff like that so he was over there living um, with his wife at the time um, and uh, you know he picked, me up, he picked me up from the airport and I'm like, I'm like okay hit me with the most sh- shocking thing that you can tell me that Americans don't know this is back in 2008 sure um, way before we started voting for Nazis on our own um <laughs> Um, and he said, we still vote for Nazis over here. And yeah, and I, I, I was, I was, I was kind of sh- took a bag and shocked. I'm like, what? Don't you guys read your ballots? <laughs> like, what? Well, he's like, well, they changed their name and they're more of a smaller party now. So they're still popular in smaller, smaller towns and villages, sure. but they don't have any major control over everything. Right. So it's completely unlike the tea party of today, which is like now controls like Congress and, sure. and the executive office. Um, and that just got me to thinking that must be a very awkward Saturday afternoon. <laughs> well, I feel like when, we should have more when, parties. When you have two former, you know, uh, you know, like German nationalists coming to your door, knocking on your door, trying to solicit your vote. Sure. You know, I, I imagine they still have the German things that they drive up with, you know. You know, those those VW, um, you know, four-door, you know, things with the, without the top, you know. Sure. That, you know, Hitler used to stand in. You know, and yeah, wave and wave to the and wave to the grass. I don't see. I don't have a problem though with the Nazi Party in Germany because they have a multiple party system, so that yes. therefore Nazis can exist and still have a voice that we no one listens to. Right. Which is why I feel like we should have multiple party system. The reason that yeah. the Nazis, the reason that the white supremacists uh, in the Tea Party own the White House is that we only have two parties. <laughs> so well, we, we only had... have two major parties. Everything right. else is like a minor party. It's like, sure, but they... it's, it's like, oh, oh, you're cute. You can, you can sit over there. Right. We're, we're, the big kids are talking and you need to be quiet. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Socialism isn't a, yeah. Isn't I voted, I, I actually voted green in the last presidential election. All right. So, this is the first year I didn't vote for Nader. And mm. even with Obama, I still wrote in Nader, even when he wasn't running. He's my he's my man. Yeah. He's the person who I think says what and since the seventies, since he was a consumer yeah. advocate, he's always, always yeah. been on the side of the people and I appreciate that. Appreciate yeah. appreciate that. I really I really wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders. It's too Me bad too. I wasn't allowed to. Exactly. Mm. And I was definitely and I think that yeah, several of my friends online and some of my magic buddies actually they were they were like denied their vote and given the pink ballot of death. Um, I shouldn't say death. This is the pink ballot of uh, non-counting. I should say the right. provisional ballots, um, or their names were changed or written in for them or something. Wow. Like that. Yeah, one was in San Diego County, and I think um, I think I think the person in charge of elections down there um, had a past. Um, in another state about some elections that didn't go so well huh. um, or, or were not as well run or impartial as they should have been. Oh, I don't think anything's yeah. impartial. Uh, do you believe there's a new conspiracy theory flying around that uh, when 
45, I don't like to use his real name because I feel like it gets him too much press, but our 45th president, when he wears a red tie, mm-hmm. he is speaking his own voice, which is why he sounds like an idiot. Mm-hmm. And when he wears a blue tie, he's actually toting the party line, which is mm. why he sounds more normal. Because when he's wearing a blue tie, he's actually listening to the, the earpiece oh. or reading off a script. But mm. when he's wearing the red tie, he's just going of his own volition and saying uh-huh. just lascivious, disgusting, I, bizarre I, I, things. I would question, why does he have to wear the red tie if he wants to speak his mind? Is it, is it a signal to the party that they should... Is it a signal to his cabinet that they should get the Twitter feed ready? They should I, fire right. up fire up the press conference? Well, they've also done algorithmic studies on the Twitter feeds when it comes from an Android yeah. versus when it comes from an iPhone. Now, the iPhone is the campaign and the Republican Party tweeting. And from the Android, it's his own thing. And they mm. looked and studied when it was happening. So, like... Uh, 45 wakes up early in the morning and starts tweeting dumb things like a 12 year old girl then Mm -hmm. and they looked at the language and how negative the language was versus when it's the iPhone there's like more positive language mm -hmm. and uh, it's more during the day so I mean I I don't know is he is he our first you know president who's not because I always hearken back to the days of George W when is he our first teenage teenage girl president yeah yeah he might be yeah but uh, when George W., he never went off script. He The reason he flubbed up so much and said such dumb things like, I believe that people and fish can coexist peacefully, mm-hmm. is that everything was through the earpiece. I don't think he was ever speaking from his own mind whenever he was speaking. He was always just a puppet for the party, which is why, of course, they loved him. Whereas... Yeah. 45. Trump is, a, is Trump is a wild cannon. He won't. Yeah, he's he not won't. used to politics. No, he has no idea. Yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm serious. I seriously think Tiffany is somewhere. I, has anybody seen Tiffany Trump? Is that he has a child yeah, named Tiffany? Yeah, yeah. His his youngest daughter. Yeah, you don't even know don't even because know. you haven't even seen her. I haven't even seen Nobody's her. Seen her. Nobody's seen her. Nobody's seen her. I think they have her somewhere. I think she's being. I think she's being held. She could be a Bernie supporter, and that's why she could be that, or she could be held by the Republicans. And he has has to do everything that they say, otherwise something will happen to Tiffany. absolutely makes sense. What about (laughs) Tiffany? Because Barron's around. We've seen Barron. Yeah. His now 12-year-old. Yeah, Barron rhymes with Damien. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Melania, she's a trip. I wish she would stand up and be the biggest feminist of all time and actually start with this anti-bullying campaign and leave her husband. Oh, well, Melania, that's, uh, is that his wife or his, or his oldest daughter? No, that's, yeah, that's third wife eyes down. That's right. be hot and don't say anything. And, you know, walk my ten saves, One type, walk 10 stays behind. Yeah. yeah um, third wife eyes down. What's that? Th- third wife eyes down. That's my. That's what I like to say about her, because she's the. Yeah. Well, now I have. No, well, now I have a new eyes. Uh, now I have a new ID for my Wi-Fi at home. Okay. <laughs> um, but. Uh, so you don't believe in our government? You do believe? Well, do in I magic. believe? Oh, I believe the government exists. It's right. Kind of self-evident. But you don't. Um, you don't. I don't believe, believe in that. that it works in the best interest of the people. Right. Can we change it? Do you think we have any power to change it? Of course we do. Really, uh, you believe that? If enough people want something to change, there's no way anybody can stop it. But <sighs> that's the key is that. But the thing is, like, it's not just the government; it's the media. I mean, the media right. is being controlled by the corporations. The corporations you are know. people. <laughs> now, yes, I keep forgetting. Corporations are people. Now they get to make donations. Um, but yeah, but the narrative on like MSNBC, like you know, 
Bernie got thrown under the bus. Yeah. During last year, during all the media attention, and and Trump got put up. And we and if you if you actually take the time and read through the emails that are on Wikipedia, all of the DNC emails and stuff like that, you you would you know there's there's a clear case, and even even though the DNC case got thrown out of court, um, I think it was because of jurisdictional issues. The, the judge in his remarks said that there was um, reason to believe that there was a heavy handedness that there was that there was favoritism towards Hillary Clinton and there was yeah really the judge said this himself it was in the arguments wow. from both sides even even the own DNC admitted that you know people already knew that the election was fixed and that they were donating to the part to the to the party regardless wow so uh, what other things do you think are fixed in our Fixed in our system. S- oh gosh, system. Um, cats. We... Cats are fixed. Um, <laughs> dogs but are fixed too. Um, um, do you believe in the? I'll switch gears here. Okay. Do you believe in the? Do you believe that we landed on the moon uh, from sixty nine to seventy two? Do you believe that twelve dudes from the United States stepped mm. on the lunar surface? Um, all the evidence um, that I've seen kind of proves it to a point, but it it could have been fabricated. You know, um, I think Miss Busters actually had a whole sh- whole show on trying to um, debunk, um, you know, the the moon conspiracy. Oh, the, as oh, it were. yeah. Um, I think there. I think there's even a film about it. Yeah. No, I've 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 been doing. I want. I've been wanting to watch lately. that one for a while. The, I, haven't, I haven't gotten around to it. It's 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 worth the new one that just came out. is really worth watching, and it completely changed my mind. And mm-hmm. the thing that changed it is that. There's this Van Allen belt of radiation surrounding the Earth. Yeah. And every time we've tried to send dogs through it, mm-hmm. they fry up like kibbles and bits. But really? we say, but we say that we had the technology in '69 to get through the Van Allen belt. And if you look at the Apollo spacecraft, there it's not like it has enough stuff to help with reentry, but it's like an aluminum can sending it up radiation just gonna go right through it so it's i just can't believe that if we had the technology in 72 why haven't we done it since well um the russians successfully sent a dog up into space and brought him back right but that's in low earth orbit we can do that okay but going um, past the van allen belt well do you believe that we've done the spacewalks and yes it? absolutely i okay. feel that and, we've done low and you believe and you believe that the space shuttle like the special missions are true right well this Here's the those thing. actually happen, right? Yes, and we can send unmanned probes to the moon that we've done. We can send unmanned probes out past the Van Allen radiation belt and go all the way out. That's why we know that Pluto isn't a planet, that it's mm-hmm. a whatever it is now. Yeah. Um, but those are all unmanned. Mm-hmm. So I really don't think we have the capability to get humans past that belt. And so that was the farce that they played against us because they were trying to stop the About burgeoning Cold War. how far out War. is the Van Allen belt? Like 450. It's, so low Earth orbit is like, I don't know. 20 miles, I think. I thought it, I, the, the moon is 350,000 miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but low Earth orbit, we can do. We have obviously satellites. We have, send people up there all the time to fix those satellites. Yeah. We've got them spacewalking and doing all that stuff. So my question is, um, where does the Van Allen belt lie in relation to um, satellite orbit? It's past, way past that. So it's way past that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but I, I believe that we can do. There I mean, is, there is solar radiation. Um, 
But I also think that, you know, like the NASA spacesuits that they've developed, you know, they can, they help to shield from radiation as well. Well, now they do. But in 69, I don't think, I don't, I don't think they Mm. did. And there's this one thing in that movie, they talk about the orange juice. So the The orange, the orange juice leaks Mm -hmm. out of the suit and they talk about it in this one tape or whatever. But the thing is, if you were on the surface of the moon and there was a leak in your suit, you'd be dead. So it's like, how did the orange juice leak out if it wasn't fake? Let's see here. Well, there is no atmosphere on the moon. You right. wouldn't necessarily die right away if your suit started to spring a leak. Huh. It depends on how... Because it's not a complete vacuum on the moon. There's still some atmosphere, or is it just zero atmosphere? Because zero atmosphere zero is... zero atmosphere on then the that's, moon. Then it's vacuum. Yeah. So, same as, almost, as, almost the same as in space. There might be some, thanks to the gravity of sure, the moon. Sure, sure. Um, but the thing is, it's like people don't just, you know die immediately when they're when when they're in a spacewalk and there's a hole in their suit unless there's like a puncture and all the air rushes out sure you know but still um you know you know people die of asphyxiation in space Mm. which takes about about a minute or two would you ever go up into space would you be into that would you be like shoot strap me to a rocket let's do it you know what yeah i would you would yeah You'd like to do low Earth orbit, see the Earth from up there. I would. That. I would love to, like, you know, it. You know, hey, we're firing up the space shuttle program again. We right. need real people on there. We need it. We need it. We need the first magic judge in space. Let that be me. Right. Right. <laughs> we need the first magic judge in space. I'll run a Friday night magic up in space. Well, you got to do something when you're up there. Right. See if plants grow and play a little magic. Like, yeah. I, I would love to do that. You yeah. know, well, Test the magic cards in space. You know, see if you can actually do it without a surface. <laughs> that card there put, put that, that card, card there that's great all right i'm gonna turn this one sideways and it just keeps turning sideways because momentum because yeah because <laughs> the momentum never stops in space or what have you i don't know enough about physics to ever be to yeah. ever be shot into space all right so any nasa scientists out there i i think we have a, a major scientific reason now to go up to space to Absolutely. play a magic the gathering so we, we we need to know if we can play this us without a surface so well the other thing is that i don't believe that we can colonize the moon but we could certainly make these spaceships that could be in low mm-hmm. if something happened to the earth we could I NASA feel, actually shoot. does have a plan on the books to colonize the moon but we have to find water there first right because we can't create an atmosphere without water well it wouldn't be about creating an atmosphere um, we could certainly create smaller stations that would use the water um, for like you know like you know because like humans use water right but we could also use the water for propulsion and it would be a much cheaper way to send people to Mars water propulsion in space yes wow yeah because all you have to do is just introduce air and just one tiny little outlet and you have a rocket wow see you're like lay physicist here yeah (laughs) badass uh we have a couple minutes left what other any other things any other beliefs any other Um, beliefs i believe you should um uh look first before you're uh, look before you leap. Look before you leap. Look before crossing the street. Yeah. Stop I'm staring I'm shoot at your a phone. tick, and then you just leap before you look. Um, <laughs> that was a good show. I like Patrick Warburton. Yeah. Actually, there's a new show without Patrick Warburton uh, on Amazon. Oh. And it's from Ben, and it's and it's written and showrun by Ben Enland, the creator of the Tick. All right. Yeah. Did you know that actually he actually wound up becoming a director and a producer uh, for Mutant Enemy, which is Joss Whedon's company? Huh. Yeah. I had no idea. He directed several episodes of Angel and wrote some. And he did the puppet episode, if you ever saw that. No, I'm not. Okay, not an Angel fan, I guess? No, or? no, no. Okay. 
That was a spinoff of Buffy the Zamp- Vampire Slayer. It was. Slayer. It yeah. was. It was a very funny episode. Um, uh, there was this like children's television show called Smile Time that was like literally draining the life force of children. Nice. Um, and so um, Angel goes down to the television studio and investigates. He finds a weird egg. He touches it, and then he gets turned into a puppet. Wow. And it's and it gets even more hilarious and after it gets- that. Awesome. Yeah. I'll look into old episodes. Why yeah, not? Yeah, because Spike is actually working for the same um, oh, corporation that Angel was for. And then Spike walks into the office, needs a new car. He, and then he sees Angel as a puppet for the very first time. And Angel just goes, just turn around and walk away. He's <laughs> like, you're a, don't say it. You're a bloody puppet. And then the best puppet human fight scene ever happens on television. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, Angel, gonna look up back episodes. Yeah. Uh, are you are you a big are you a big TV fan? You watch a lot of the you watch a lot of the boobs. Um, not recently. Um, although I I my, I want to thank my friends John and Dava for um, lending me their Netflix account. All uh, right. <laughs> uh, so I watch Jessica Jones. I love Jessica Jones. Um, I guess you can say I also believe um, in feminism. Oh, that's great! So, Way to I, score points. Yeah, and <laughs> pretty much, pretty much Jessica Jones. Um, that first season was a big thing with that was feminism. Because here you have, um, you know, this investigator in New York. It's, it's based off the old Alias comic books from Marvel. Um, but yeah, then accident happens and she gets superpowers. So she's super strong. Cool. She can fly for her distances as well. Um, but then there's this guy, the purple guy. He always wears a purple shirt. It's played by David Tennant. He's just creepy as hell. Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Huh? And it's, yeah. So purple. he grew Color up. Color of kings. Yeah. 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 So he just kind of grew up. Like his parents were. Um, I, I shouldn't tell too much of the story, but he grew up with this power. So imagine having the power to tell anybody you want to manipulate. Perfectly. To manipulate anybody yeah. uh-huh. you want, and he sees Jessica, who's. He's very lovely. I forget the name of the actress, but she was formerly on, like, um, she's been on a bunch of stuff. She's been on the uh, uh, Veronica Mars movie. She was in that. She was also on um, Breaking Bad. Huh. She, she was, like, um, oh, but anyways. Um, but, yeah, but he sees her, falls in love with her, realizes she has a power, manipulates her, controls her, and, you know. Right, just like. And then, then for some reason, she, like, she, just, she just breaks hold of it. Right. Well, yeah. women are supposed to be more manipulative than men, so right. just as a, it's just a stigma that's been put yeah. on us since the beginning. But I think, of time, but I think the know, major theme Adam of this show is like you know, it's like you know, like the male misogyny versus female, you know, empowerment. For sure, empowerment, yeah. So, and then they'll have sex, and she'll have a baby, and then she won't have it, and she'll have an abortion, and it'll be exciting. And then uh, the show. Well, now will you're get talking good. about Luke Cage, um, but <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched that one either. Well, thank you, your friends, for. Uh, for the Netflix, that's that's yeah yeah they they actually made this um this little amulet that's on my hat oh that's nice yeah that's what they do now uh well actually well my friend John he works for Wells Fargo banking online um uh but his wife Deva uh she makes this jewelry and she sells it at conventions cool. and music festivals and stuff like that all creative. up and down Northern California creative sometimes way. in Southern California she should be there too there is actually um San Francisco Comic Con happening this weekend. Ah. Oh. I'm going to be helping them out on Friday. Fantastic. So, yeah. 
yeah, look for their booth. Uh, the, let's see here. Octopunks, I think is what it is. Awesome. So uh, one last thing before I let you go, Pablo. Yeah. What's your, uh, do some plugs. What are your upcoming shows? Do you have any upcoming uh, showcases or uh. to people <laughs> see you perform? Uh, let's see here. Well, there are open mics in Santa Cruz. Um, there's one tonight at uh, Rosa, Mc, uh, Rosa McCann's downtown. All right. Um, let's see here. Thursday, there's always the uh, the Blue Lagoonies comedy show at, at, at the Blue Lagoon. The, the DNA. Uh, the DNA, yes. The, yeah. It's a great show, but you only get three minutes. Yes. It's just hard. But it'll be the best three minutes of your life. No, and you absolutely. get stuff done. It's a, um, it's a great, it's always a great audience and it's always yeah, great. It may I not just, be long, but it's fast. Yeah. So you can get stuff done. Uh, <laughs> The show itself was like an hour and a half, and then after that is 80s night and safety dance. Oh, fun. Yeah. So what they do now is like the 80s night is on the left-hand side, and they play like all the old 80s hits, bring your leg warmers, bring your neon, green stuff. Sure. Um, and on the right-hand side, they have what they call safety dance. So it's uh, all-inclusive, you know, all genders can come and dance. Sometimes they have guest DJs that play a little bit different music, so it may not be 80s, it might be 90s, might be 2000 stuff. Cool. Might be some, might be some trap, you know. If you want to listen to some trap, you know. Uh, depends on which DJ gotcha. is, is there. So, but it's always fun, um, you know. You gotta, so you're say, inviting people to say go to Santa Cruz. Go to Santa Cruz. Definitely go for the comedy. Yeah. Starts at eight thirty on every Thursday. Um, you know, I unfortunately work right now. I'm working on getting getting my Thursdays off. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I can go back and do more comedy there. Uh, but those are good shows. But there's also shows um, on Sunday. Uh-huh. Um, James uh, Berger Matthews, he runs a show at the Blue Lounge, um, which is on Seabright. Um, that starts at 9. That's his show. Um, literally, you can get away with anything in that bar. Nice. Like, literally. Like, you could steal somebody's car and nobody would care. <laughs> um, but don't steal any jokes because then they'll... Yeah, then we'll then know. They'll, then they'll bounce you. Um, Mondays, the Poet and Patriot, which is Sam Weber's show. Uh, I love Sam, Sam Weber. He's a nice guy. I love him too. He used to come up here a lot, and yes. then he stopped doing that. Well, he's gone back to school. Oh, good um, for him for now. So, so he's kind of like co-hosting the show. He's got some guest hosts. He had uh, John Reinhardt, I think, there last week. Cool. He did a good job. First time hosting. Couldn't tell. All right. Um, and Tuesdays, uh, my friend Schwa Smith uh, runs Bocce's Cellar. Um, the Have You Seen This Comedy Show. He has the best flyer program in Santa Cruz. What he does, he has a picture of a cat on a flyer. Yeah. And then he hands it to somebody. Excuse me, have you seen this show? Uh, instead of <laughs> have you seen this cat, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's a very good idea. It's the best marketing I have ever seen. Absolutely. Yeah. So comedy in Santa Cruz. Everybody go down also. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much. Thank Pablo you. Yale Thank for, you for talking. Me. I'm so glad. We're going to have to play Magic sometime soon. It could be today. It could be, it could be today. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to take a tiny break, and then we're going to be back with right. Sister of Perpetual Indulgence, Rosemary Chicken, second here on the program of Some Call Me Tim. Uh, again, we'll be back in just a sec. Yay!
we are back on the Some Call Me Tim program, and I am joined by Sister of Perpetual Indulgence, Rosemary Chicken. Hello. Hi. <laughs> it is so great to have you here. I have not yet had a Sister of Perpetual Indulgence on the show. I'm your first excited. one? You're my first one. I and I'm it. so excited because uh, your organization has so many religious overtones that you must believe in Jesus. Oh, well, that's what some say. Uh, <laughs> uh, are you asking me if sure. I believe in Jesus? I'm asking if you believe in Jesus. Well... You know, I'll tell you, that's a hard thing to know. Uh, I am the great-grandson of a preacher, uh, the grandson of a preacher, and the son of a preacher. Wow. So I come from a long line of preachers. Wow. Uh, I think when you were raised in religion, you get a little uh, behind-the-scenes uh, look at it. Sure. And uh, I, uh, I have to say, I, I believe that there might be a God. But I'm not sure of it. Sure. I'm not sure of it at all. But your father, grandfather, and great-grandfather are certain and stalwart in their belief. Well, they they must have been. Uh, I I do believe that what called them to do what they do is the same thing that called me to do what I do since I'm a nun. Um, So I think the calling is the same. I just think that uh, we have different uh, outlooks on life. Uh, You know, because I'm a homosexual, and so the homosexuals are not really uh, smiled upon in organized religion. Right. So it still uh, exists. It, oh yeah, it it's, still exists. You're, you're, I heard you uh, the last hour talking about Jesus loves me. This I know, and yeah, I was taught that as a child. And then as you get older, you learn. Oh wait, Jesus doesn't love me. Right. So wait, what is it? Does Jesus love me or does Jesus not love me? Mm. And that's just you know what got me to thinking. And then uh, as I got older, um, you know, I had to read the Bible. I had to read the Bible because it's uh, my father told me to. Right. And uh, uh, so there were, I just had too many questions. When I got older, going to church as an adult, I would just ask the questions. And when I couldn't get answers, uh, I would say, well, there's something up here. Sure. <laughs> so I kind of thought my way through the top of it. And, but with the Sisters of Professional Indulgence, you said you were called to be a nun. Uh-huh. And that's because you guys do philanthropic Activities. Yeah, we do pretty much everything that nuns do. You know, the Catholic nuns, the Byzantine nuns, or whatever nun you know. Yeah. Uh, we do pretty much the same thing. Uh, we raise the money. We help feed people. We uh, we give clothes to people. We go to hospice. We do all the things that nuns do. Uh, we just don't have the 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 God hanging over right your head and and saying and specifically. It's is everyone who's a sister. It's a completely homosexual group. No, no, no. not at all. Oh, no, not so at all. You're open to all genders. Oh, and uh, all. oh, yes, everyone. We we have ladies. We have men. We have gay men, straight men, uh, straight ladies, gay ladies. We have uh, transgender. We have. Just about anyone you could think of. Um, the Sisters started in San Francisco in 1979, and now we're in about, I think, 17 countries all over the world. Whoa. Uh-huh. More than half of the United States have sisters in them now. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting. Yeah. And and your whole gr- the whole idea is... Philanthropic. I mean, you guys. It is. You raise millions of dollars. It is. Year. We do. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the nice thing is the money that you uh, we raise here in San Francisco stays in San Francisco. So oh. wherever the sisters are, that money is going to stay there. Um, but when it comes to religion, uh, there are atheists, there are uh, 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 agnostics, there are Buddhists. We have Hindus. We have there are any any kind of religious affiliation. But the irony of wearing a nun's habit, uh, and then, is that. 
I mean, have you ever, have people ever gotten angry? Have you ever had like oh. Catholic oh. Pro- oh, prote- often. protesters often. and often. they say, you're gay, you're dressed like a nun. Yes. They get very yes. upset. The Vatican knows who we are. Really? Uh, yes, they know who and we are. And they don't approve? They do not approve. We are on their list of heretics. Are you kidding? No, we're, Be- we kind of count that as a point of pride. <laughs> because, because you adopt their garb. Yes, they think we're ridiculing them. Rather than you, well, then, so what is the point of wearing the? Garb? Well, we're kind of um, we're not we're not making fun of religion. We're kind of shedding light on the hypocrisy of religion, uh. Uh, and that's where the fun. That's that's why we look so fun. Yeah. You see, uh, yeah. we're not mocking. We're shedding light on it. Sure. And uh, so we actually have. Um, uh, indulgences that one of the uh, we got our name uh, the sisters of perpetual indulgence after thinking and thinking and thinking the, the originals and uh, they wanted uh, they wanted something that was layered and uh, back, way back in the day the Catholic Church they would uh, dole out something called an indulgence and if you had sins um, you could pay the church what? and have your sins absolved you can pay them mm-hmm. and so they would what? give you something called an indulgence it's like a get out of jail free card and that's something that the Catholic Church did and uh, so we took that uh, and double entendred it yeah uh, for our own purposes that is so mind-blowing to me that it would that religion is like specifically dealing with money Mm because I I find that so many religions are based on money and people don't think about that that churches are non-profits look at look at this whole Houston thing with Uh Joel Austin is that his name Uh, this guy with a 16,000 seat quote-unquote church who decided not to let anyone take shelter there during the floods you know so that it's, doesn't seem it's, very it's not Christian, Christian at all, is yeah. it? Is it? <laughs> it doesn't seem like very Christian. Not Christian at all. So what's with the what's with the um, the ball the boob head, the, like the bras on the head? The boobs. Well, actually, the the reason that they they look like a bra on the head is because when the organization first started, that's what they were putting on their heads. They actually wore bras on their heads. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, and so I guess uh, I I'm not um, completely sure about this, but I I guess when it came time to really organize and we got their five hundred one. C3 and the uh, Articles of Incorporation and everything, uh, they wanted to make things more permanent, so they designed a hat that looked like the bra, sure. but that wasn't a bra. And I know some people in San Diego, sisters in San Diego, who still wear bras on their heads. Nice. Uh-huh. Well, it's the, it's the easy way, I it, guess. It is. It just, it just little, attaches in the back there and clip it. <laughs> How many members do you have? And are you constantly growing or do you cap it? Yeah, no, I think we're constantly growing. Um, right now in San Francisco, we have about 80 members. Okay. Um, some are active, some are inactive. So there's always an influx uh, of new members, but there's also uh, members getting older all the time. And, sure. you know, some people don't want to get out of bed. And, you know, as you get older, you know, just it's it's a lot to put on all that makeup and right. stuff. How much of a time commitment would you say that being a sister is oh well that's the joy of it i think for it's it's as much as you want to give um if if you're if you're a busy person you you do what you can uh if you're not a busy person you do what you can uh i'm i'm fairly active so um i'm usually at about one two events a week wow yeah sometimes more sometimes less there are multiple events a week oh all the time uh we have a website and uh we have a there's a little button you click it says would you like the presence of a sister since we're a charity for charities 
we not only have our own events, but if you have an event that you need help raising money for, then you request us and we come help you raise money. Wow. And so we get requests every day. Wow. And so what happens is uh, we have uh, uh, the mistress of the web. It's one of the members who t- uh, uh, takes those and then she emails them out to the entire membership and says, y- if you want to take this, let us know. And so that way it's checked off the list. And so that's how it's done. Wow. And what? And tell me some of the organizations that request like it's everything. Is it like the general oh. hospital? Is it? Is yeah, it- Laguna Honda, um, the LGBT, LGBT centers everywhere. Right. Um, uh, the Strut is a local health uh, healthcare place in the Castro. We do things for them. Uh, um, we help put on dance shows. We raise money for dance troops. Um, trans, uh, the you know the St. James Infirmary here in town. It's a wonderful place. It's one of my favorite places. Charities. Um, it is a, a medical clinic for uh, sex workers oh, and transgender people who don't get the respect that they deserve oh, uh, in healthcare. Where, so, where where is that? Um, well, they just moved. They oh, used to be on Mission Street, and uh, they just moved recently. I can't remember. I think they're up closer in the financial district now. That's but they got awesome. a bigger space, so yeah. that's nice. Well, and serving the underserved, I think, is yeah. is important. And um, I have a lot of uh, friends who are transgender, and they've said violence is more perpetuated against people of um, that are trans. Yeah. and there's and there's so much job discrimination and yeah. housing discrimination. That yeah, happens. well, it's understanding. You know, the, what we we're afraid of what we don't understand. You know, right, I right, mean, just right. look at our president. Um, <laughs> what what we don't understand, we're afraid of, and so people don't understand transgender people, so they're afraid. Uh, right. Instead of asking questions and wanting to understand, they just afraid. Right. I'm just going to be afraid of you because I don't know what you are and you're not what I am. Is that why like we've I mean it's almost like a war perpetuated against uh gender differences or LGBTQ people. Do you are you feeling it now in the new regime? Oh, are you yeah. feeling it? Like Oh yeah. How, how what is the different feeling between the last administration and this? Are you feeling like outward hatred again? Is it like Stonewall again? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. He's a uh, He's um, inciting violence against us. He he really is inciting he, he is. violence against, let's see, Muslims, Mexicans, transgenders, women, uh, everyone. Yeah. Everyone who's not a white man who claims to be Christian. Sure. He's inciting violence. Why... <clears throat> Why do Christians, why do hardcore middle America Christians still take issue with same-sex marriage or with relationships, homosexual relationships? I have no idea. It doesn't, I don't understand It doesn't either. affect it's, them at all. Exactly. And they take such great offense. It has no, I, my theory is that they're jealous. If you don't, if you don't like gay marriage, then don't have one. Then, yeah. My theory is that they're jealous because gay people seem like they're having such a good time. Because we kind of are. Because you kind of are. <laughs> because you, the, an ability to have, I mean, and even people who are in polyamory rela- polyamorous relationships or people that want to be connected and have a monogamous relationship with their partner. Either way, gay people are having a lot more fun because you don't necessarily have to have kids. You have more money to spend, uh-huh. do things that you want. You get to make choices for your own life and you get to make choices for your own family planning, deciding what that's going to be like. But I still, I really think it's that they're just jelly yeah. because everyone's... that. Because and especially San Franciscans, everyone in San Francisco is having a really great time. Yeah, and yeah. And they are saying, 
no, you're bad. And it's like, where are you coming from with this? What does it have yeah. to do with... I do you remember back in the 70s, there was an album called Free to Be You and Me, Marlo Thomas, and like everyone famous. Do you remember that? Free to Be You and Me. Do, do you no, remember? Oh, it was, it, it was an album and a television special. And uh, she did it. It was teaching children that you were free to be you and me and and so it, they would tell you about uh, uh, gender I remember uh, Mel Brooks and Marla Thomas were two little babies and they were talking about I'm a boy I'm a girl I'm a, so I was raised with this this kind of understanding sure. of uh, differences in people and it seems like we've forgotten that along the way yeah well and that we're people and who who cares about what people are doing with their genitals in the privacy of their own home? Why is it anybody's why is business? It, yeah, why, why is, is it, it important? I don't understand I don't it. get it either. I'm like, let people do what they want. It, I, don't, <laughs> I just, it completely blows my mind, though, that there's a huge group, that this is happening right now in America, in America and there's now. huge groups of people that are saying, like, we're right and you're wrong and we need to tell you how to be a moral person. And... How you express yourself sexually has nothing to do with your morality whatsoever. And we've somehow intertwined this idea. And I just... I just don't get it. I don't get it either. Um, I I think it's religion. I think, again, it's that religion. Um, Besides being a a giant thumb to keep people down, Mm -hmm. it also is brainwashing. So um, it depends on what church you go to, I'm sure. But there are churches that really do preach hate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you're a kind of a sheepy person and you're going to church and you're believing everything that your preacher tells you, then, then apparently God says I'm allowed to hate you but that's the thing that's terrible too is that if you're growing up in religion and you happen to be gay what kind of mixed messages and what kind of internal turmoil I mean high school is hard enough being just being whatever even the like cisgendered it's it's hard enough but if you believe it and then you think God hates me and then it becomes this like who am I? Is it okay to be me? Can it's, I be free yeah. to be and me? Am I not? not? Mm-hmm. And then it's not. And then and then how are people supposed to grow as healthy individuals if something constantly in their belief structure is saying, "Yeah, you're not good. You're, you're not, not good. good." Yeah, that's why the suicide rate is so high with gay teens and uh-huh. transgender teens because they're being told they're they're wrong. They're wrong. You're you're just right. wrong. Everything about you is wrong. Right. And uh, it's a lack of understanding. Absolutely. Um, the coolest transgender story I ever heard was on Vice, and it was a woman in Pakistan who transitioned into being a guy, and she got to go to the she got to go in the Muslim temple. Like once she uh-huh. was a dude, she was a dude, and like her brothers said well if she wouldn't have transitioned we would have killed her because she was gay but now she's a dude so we're cool with it and that's kind of interesting that that they're okay with transgender but they're not okay with gay yeah they weren't okay with her liking women but when she became a man and liked women they have no problem with it now she's straight. So and it's now okay. she's straight, so it's fine. See, that's a strange thing. Weird, I that's know. It's a really strange it, thing. It seems like the it seems like it would be opposite, but it's for us it's I think that 
I, I, I mean, I would be like, dude, I want to get all the rights and privileges of being a guy. Like that would be <laughs> awesome. But yeah, but I why can't you have all the rights and privileges right, of being a guy? Exactly. I mean, why is that? That's another issue. Well, I mean, what's yeah. that all about? Because as I learned from this election, you know, only some people hate black people, but everyone hates women. <laughs> That's oh, really? what I learned. Everyone from, hates women. I don't everyone. hate women. I think women are cool. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't. I try not to hate anybody, but. Who knows? There was a thing that came out. This was exciting. This was a thing that from, remember Superman in the 50s? Uh-huh. And this was a thing that came out and I thought it was so great. Uh, it's from like, I don't know, 52 or something, uh, Marvel Comics. And it says, and it's Superman. And remember, boys and girls, your school, like our country, is made up of Americans of many different races, religions, and national origins. So if you hear anybody talk against a schoolmate or anyone else because of his religion, race, or national origin, don't wait. Tell him that kind of talk is un-American. Help keep your school all American. This is like from the 50s. And right now, yeah. it just seems like... We've gone way backward. Yeah. Um, I, I tell this, I say this to my friends. Um, it's, it's, I think it's my peers, uh, my, the people my age, when they were young and starting to have kids, they just forgot to teach them things like... <laughs> Like responsibility and sure. courtesy and respect. I mean, these things seem to be in decline. Absolutely. And I, I count my peers at fault. At the forefront. Yeah, at, yeah. yeah. It's it's them. It's the people my age who just didn't teach. Because I know I was taught respect. I was slapped in the. Yeah, I was got slapped in the head if I, you know, stepped in front of someone or talked back to an adult. But it, it sure. seems like that's just all gone now. Well, there was a calling of critical thought in our public education system from 2000 to 2008 with no child left behind like that actually exists we we let that happen we we move from critical thought and reading texts and acknowledging them and ans- like thinking about them and arguing and understanding to teaching to just, the test just take this test just take this yeah. test and it's going to show whether you know something or not but not whether you can evaluate information mm-hmm. and and weigh it and judge it yeah. so i think that but it's you're a, talking about before that. You're talking about kids in the 90s. Uh, in the 80s and the, the 70s. 70s. Yeah, I'm, I'm 50. Oh, so, yeah, I'm 42. I'm, it's okay. We're, the, okay, we're, the yeah. same. we're in the same group. All right. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I remember being taught these things, not just by my teachers, but by my parents, by sure. uh, not just my parents, like neighbors. You right. know, yeah. people helped raise each other's children back then. And now mm. um, you can't say anything to anyone else's children because they'll sue you. I was, I was, I was sued once. I went to my niece's college graduation and we were outside and there was this group of children sitting in front of me and they not once sat down and were quiet not once not for just one second and uh finally after 45 minutes i took this little boy by the arm and i said you need to be quiet and you need to sit down and his mother saw me do that she took finally took her face away from the her selfie from her camera right uh and she uh she had me arrested (gasps) for assaulting her son she You're did. kidding. She had me arrested. Because you touched her son. Because I took his arm and I told him to be quiet and sit down. Wow. Yeah. If you would have just given him the stink eye, would it have been okay? <laughs> oh, I'd been giving him the stink eye for the whole time. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't work. They don't even know what the stink eye is. <laughs> I, I've uh, been on the bus and I've uh, yelled bad parenting at people. Uh, but when I'm walking out of the bus, because I'm afraid that they're going to chase me and, and beat me up. But there's been, <laughs> there was a woman who got on the bus the other day and... She was younger than me. And clearly, I mean, her son just looked adorable, but he was like seven. And she was swearing at him and calling him terrible things. She was like, you're an idiot. What an asshole. Look what you did this time. 
and she's yelling at him on the bus and I look at the kid and I give him this look and I'm like Sorry. I gave him the I'm sorry face and like shook my head. And then when I got off the bus, I looked at her and I went, bad parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you said it. I really said it. I said, bad parenting. Bad parenting. And there was a time I was looking off the, um, I yelled out the bus window because I was going by, but there was a lady at 16th and Mission and she had a three-year-old probably. Uh And he was drinking a liter bottle of orange Fanta. And I yelled out the bus window that's not orange juice bad parenting <laughs> and everybody looked and I'm like he's drinking Fanta that's he's not okay drinking Fanta I was walking home uh, the other day and there was a, a man with his I think a little three year old girl she was riding a bicycle and he was looking at his phone oh. and she fell off her bike and she was on the ground and he didn't even see her and so as I walked past him I said your little girl's on the ground <laughs> and uh, he kind of looked up at me and said what? Uh, what oh I know and uh, as I, because I never stopped, I kept w- walking and I kind of turned back just so we could hear me. I said, No, you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Staring, staring at his phone while his little girl just fell off her bicycle. What's the difference between a nanny and a mommy at the park? Um, there are no mommies at the park. No, no, they're all looking at their, there is no difference. They're all staring oh. at their iPhone. <laughs> I'm like, there no, are no, no mommies at the no, park. Like, no, but the whole point is that nobody's looking at the children. I, I'm an, I'm a na- I nanny sometimes. And I, I was I a have, nanny too. I had a set of triplets. Yeah. Hey, that's hard. Um, but I have a dumb phone. So I never look at my phone when I'm working cause I don't have anything to look at. Yeah. But everyone, I mean, even the dogs have cell phones at the parks. <laughs> it seems like everyone's on their fucking cell phone. Yeah. No one's looking at the kids. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the kids. I'm seeing kids running around, getting hurt. And I'm like, does, but you're right. It's that generation that was raised that now has kids where they were kind of absent and they're still, they're looking at their phones or they're not like present in their children's lives. Yeah. It makes you wonder if, are they present in their are children's they? lives at all? Yeah. Do, like, do you people have dinner together ever? <laughs> you know, I just, I wonder, I wonder like what, what goes on inside the home? Are the kids go right to their room and stare at their phones while the parents stay in the living room and stare at their phones? I, exactly. Like when it's time for dinner, do, what do they send the children a text to come down <laughs> to dinner? I mean, how, I, I'm just, yeah. I don't know these things, but it seems like it would be a very quiet household. Yeah. I mean, maybe they, maybe they like it that way. Maybe they I, do. I, but I don't, I, I look at the society that we've sort of built and I've become a part of and I don't like it. I, yeah. I don't like the messages that are on TV that yeah. now how they've, like now that we have Netflix, it's like they put the messages in the shows since we don't watch the commercials anymore just yeah. with product placement and, and like how we're supposed to live our lives. I, I'm very scared at what it, we it do is. with media. Yeah. Everyone's getting their morality from television. Yeah. yeah. It's well, and they've been trying harder. Like I was watching... What was I watching with a 12-year-old friend? It's um, Liv and Maddie. It's a fun little Disney show. Anyways, they had a whole show that was on feminism. And I and I'm, and when I watch TV with children, I actually engage with them and like talk about yeah, what's talk on? about what's happening while it's happening. So it's not like we're just vapidly staring at the screen. Uh-huh. But I talk with my little 11-year-old friend about feminism and this show, and it was great. And what you know, they have the rules that they broke down that the rules that boys do versus the rules that girls do, and girls can do boy things and boys can do girl things, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, are we we still having this conversation? Good. I guess we have to. Yeah. I guess we still we we're recognizing the the gender inequality or just general inequality (laughs) right general inequality inequality because i don't know we're all humans and why are we making people feel right now in our country that they don't belong i don't know i think that you know along with that there's the other side is uh we've become a society of coddlers um and so you know that's what makes 
it's so interesting because there is the this disconnect, but then there's also this I want to say um, artificial caring that people are walking around. You know, when they talk like this, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sending you light and love, and I'm sending you thoughts and you know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Um, that blessed. is just as blessed. yeah. Oh yes, so it seems just as insincere as as uh, as. Um, Disconnect. As disconnect. Or as blatant hatred. Like, <laughs> at least they're paying attention if they're hating us. Well, that's or whoever true. they're. I've always thought that uh, love and hate aren't opposite. They're right next to each other. Sure. Um, love and hate both are very strong emotions. I think the opposite of love is. Well, I think the opposite of love is fear. I think it's disconnect. disconnect. I think it's dis- dis- disinterest. Because I, uh, I, I was not raised in a loving family. Oh. Um, so uh, I think that's where I kind of came up with that theory. Um, I think of it as a, uh, a circle, right? If you lay it out in a line, then you can say, yeah, love is over here and hate is over uh-huh. here. But I don't think it's a straight line. I think it's a loop of emotion. And so when you put it into a loop, then love and hate become right next to each other. Sure. The opposite of that is indifference. Right. Wow. That's how I see it. That's Ooh, a, that's a that really it's a mind-blowing <laughs> philosophy put together here on Some Call Me Tim by Rosemary Chicken. <laughs> do you have a great do you have a great recipe for rosemary chicken? Is that um, why is that why that's your sister name? Uh, no, my sister name I used to have a, a much uh, funnier I thought sister name. It was Tristina T Room, but nobody got the joke uh, and so I had to give it up. Um, uh, it, a tryst in a tea room. Uh, gay, a tea room is gay lingo for a public toilet. Oh! And so, you know, remember the George Michael, how he got arrested in sure. the public toilet. So uh, right. tea room sex is a gay thing and has been for, you know, decades. And so my name was Tristina Tea Room and nobody got the joke. So when I moved to San Francisco, I told myself, I'm going to pick a name that just makes people laugh. Right. And so I, I was on the lookout, you know, looking at things, you know, reading and just looking for a name. And I was watching TV one day and I saw um, a commercial for a scanner where you, you would put everything in your, this scanner and it downloads it, it uploads it into your computer and then you have it there and one of the things they showed going into that scanner was a recipe card for rosemary chicken and it made me laugh out loud so that was when I became sister rosemary chicken I was thinking that maybe you had this awesome roasted chicken recipe oh yes oh I have that too oh, okay, it's got a little lemon in it Ooh, lemon on the inside there you go uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah you stuff the cavity with a little lemon so before you were in, you said you've only been in San Francisco for five years mm-hmm. where were you previous to that um, I moved here from Palm Springs oh I was a, I've been a sister in Palm Springs and in Portland both ah and so yeah I moved uh, to San Francisco five years ago and uh, been happy here since and you and you love it do you is I do it, is it your favorite place thus far that you've um, that I've lived, yes. But I have recently been to, last year I got to go to New York City to be in a show. Ooh. And I had never been to New York City and uh, kind of fell in love with it. Yeah. Kind of fell in love with it. But you know what's nice about New York City? You can stay out drinking all night long and don't have to worry about BART closing at midnight. Absolutely. That's true. <laughs> it goes all night it long. Goes all night. Yeah. yeah. The buses and the subways. And the subway, yeah. Get all the way home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to ask you a question about, do, oh, but see, what time of year did you visit New York? That's it was almost a year ago. But, it was in so the it fall. So it was the fall, it was which is the, the best time of year. And it is easy to fall in love with New York yes. when the 
weather extremities aren't making you very sad. That's right. I was told when I got there, um, it was really hot and really muggy. And I was like, this is not fall. I was told fall in New York was going to be. And so everyone there said, oh, no, no, it's not fall yet. You'll know it. You'll probably turn fall while you're here. And it did. I woke up one day and there was a chill in the air. And and. I said, is this it? And the producer of the show was like, yeah, this is it. It's fall. And it was beautiful. Yeah. But, but when I first got there, it was hot and muggy and terrible. Yeah. So summers and winters, insane. But fall and spring, a joy. Beautiful. But And, 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 and the city itself, of course. Love it. So many things to do. It's completely it's like an infinite place. Oh, yeah. Like and the people I met there were just insane. Yeah. I was there doing a show called, a uh, Taylor Mac show, uh, 24, uh, it was called a 24 decade history of popular music. It was a 24 hour show. Whoa. No breaks, no intermissions. Whoa. And so the, you know, uh, creative people you right, know it's right. not just a show it was more of a cultural event sure so the people that I got to meet while I was there are insanely creative and fun to be around what what, what did you do during this 24-hour show what was um, your... I was called a dandy minion actually I'm, the show is coming to San Francisco oh. um, he's bringing it out here and he's not doing 24 hours okay. he's doing four six-hour shows Wow and so um, because it's that kind of a thing sure um, people get fed people get blindfolded and so the dandy minions which is what I am is one of those stage assistants um, that we feed people, we blindfold them, take their chairs, we give them balloons. Um, there's all kinds of things that happen to keep you uh, to keep you um, involved in the show. Sure, invested in Extremely what's happening. Extremely interactive. 24 hours. 24 that hour shows. Is Starts in 1776. The first song in the show is Amazing Grace, but it doesn't sound at all like you think it's going to sound. And he does things uh, like uh, uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy and sure. all the things you'd expect to hear. But uh, what he's done is he's taken the narrative, uh, our history uh, as a country, and he's kind of tweaked it and he's sure. changed it. Um, uh, he uh, has he did a lot of research. So, like in the twenties, we're in the Jewish tenements in New York City. Uh, Before that, we're with the slaves. We he he's taken all wow. the fringe communities and he's brought them into the forefront. And he tells a narrative through the music of America of these smaller communities and how they break down and build themselves back up. Does he do it in like a room? Is it in a theater? It's going to be at the Curran Theater. Oh wow! Uh -huh. yeah. So it's a big. It's a big. This th is it's a big, a big thing. thing. Oh yeah! In the 1950s, a 24 strippers come out and they take it all off, honey, and it was <laughs> fabulous. Oh yeah! So it's a huge cast. It's well, it's him. It's oh. a one-man show. It's a cabaret show, but it's a 24-piece orchestra. One piece leaves every hour so that by the end of the show, he's alone on stage. And all the costume changes and all the makeup changes, they happen on stage. Wow. Oh, it's crazy. There's a marching band that comes in at 7 o'clock in the morning to wake everybody up. So it, while it's a one-man show, it's a giant circus of... Wow. How it's, many people attended this amazing event? Uh, I think it was about 850 people what? in New York City. Yeah, It was at um, St. Anne's Warehouse house in Brooklyn. Holy yeah, it was crazy. 850 people. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a full house. And by the end of the by the end of the show, the next day at noon, I would say a good 90% of the audience was still there. Wow. Only a few people left. Wow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What how cool. much it's got must be an expensive ticket. Oh, uh let's see. I just asked this morning. Tickets start at $49. The most expensive ticket is $248, and I've been told to tell you that it comes with a hand job. Ah! The $49 tickets, however, if you buy one of those, you're the one giving the hand job. Oh, oh, that's great. So, but people can buy tickets for all 
four of the six hours. Yes, and I think that if you buy for two or more, then you get a discount. Wow. Yeah, it's it's kind of a cool thing. The show um, has won the Kennedy Prize, the Booth Award, and it's up for a Pulitzer. Wow. Yeah, it's quite a thing. The New York Times called it one of the ten best things of 2016. Wow. And I was in you it. You were in it. I was in it. I even got my name in the New York Times in one of the reviews. It's <sighs> just my name, and one of the Dandy Minions named Sister Rosemary Chicken. That was me. That's amazing. I wonder how he does all his promotion for that. That's, I mean, it's such an enormous undertaking. He must have a grant or something. To um, be well, able to... he's working with, do you know Pomegranate Arts? Do you know who um, Philip Glass is mm-hmm. and Laurie Anderson? Um, they uh, they manage uh, those two, and they also manage Taylor. Who? Uh, so they've got a big production company behind sure. it. Yeah. Um, and here at the Current, it's uh, also with um, Stanford Live. Oh, okay. So uh, there's a, yeah, because it is so big. There's uh, I just unpacked, I think it was... 16 boxes of ping pong balls today. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because of course there's a lot of ping, ping pong, pong balls, balls yeah, involved in the show. Something you'll happens ha- with ping pong balls. You'll have to come see it. To when find does out. this show open? It starts on the 15th of September. Oh my God, it's coming up It right is. Now. Yeah, the 15th, the 17th, the 20th, and the 22nd, I believe, are the dates. Wow. Six hours each time. Six hour show. It's crazy. But it's one of the thrills of my life to get to go to New York City to do it. Right. How did you get involved with this group? Well, um, when Taylor was working workshopping the show he came to San Francisco and uh, for the Dandy Minions he requested a sister Um, he told me the story that when he the first drag queen he ever saw was a sister of perpetual indulgence here in San Francisco and so this was the first city that he workshopped the show and he wanted a a sister to be a Dandy Minion and so I'm the sister that took that call because I'm from the theater and so I knew it would be easy you're, so you have a theater background. Is that yes. your college degree? Yes, uh, voice, yeah. Singing, dancing, and acting. Oh, you're a triple threat. Oh, totally. Oh, well, at least that. I used to be when I had knees. Oh. <laughs> so I used to, I have, I have a, my undergraduate degree was also in theater. Oh, yeah? I, yeah, I was um, stage manager. Though. Stage, stage ma- manager, uh, direction, play. Stage manager is one of the hardest jobs. I've only done it once, and I told myself I'd never do it again. You know, it, it, it's it's just, it's if you have control issues like I do, it's, it's just a joy. <laughs> it's just a joy and a wonderment to be in control of control. everything. Yes, all the time. control issues. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah, I yeah. enjoyed. It's a tough job. Um, it's the. I think it's the toughest job in theater. Well, yeah, I just have to memorize. It depends what your skill set is. I have yeah. good memorization and I can multitask a lot. So yeah, I've done. I, I did follow spot. I did set design, costume design. I've done all kinds of stuff. But stage managing, man, that stuff's hard. Oh, thank you. You got to have that. Well, and thing. I, I always, I love acting, and I. The reason I went into stage management, I just never got cast. Yeah. So. Oh, and you just wanted to be around the theater. <laughs> I just wanted to be around it. I yeah, like, yeah. And, and then also stage managing taught me like I worked with so many directors that I wanted to become a director and I, I learned from watching good directors and bad directors A what to do and what not to do Yeah. so that was always helpful doing stage management it's, and a, it's always issues. nice to learn what not to do by watching other people isn't yeah, it yeah <laughs> it works out uh, but I, I, I also got the opportunity I was dance captain a lot because ooh dance captain yeah I know because what that I, was, means. I was a dancer and so and, and I was a professionally trained ballerina for 23 years so I have all the language and so the choreographer would come in and she'd just say stuff and I'd write it all down and she'd be like what did I just do and I'm like oh it was a it pas de beret, beret and a <laughs> grand battement and then double turn into an arabesque whatever Shanae, and she's Shanae. like oh, okay Shanae, Shanae. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so that was a lot of fun and I I, I do miss being in theater but that's Me why too. I do um, radio now because theater of the mind and yeah. I don't have to deal with set costumes or props anymore nothing because look did you see me dress up today no (laughs) 
But you look amazing with your bra on your head and your incredible makeup. Oh, thank makeup. you. Thank you very much. How long does it take you to get into drag? Well, when I first started, it took me about two hours, but now it takes me about maybe 45 minutes for my face and about 20 minutes to get the outfit on. Wow. Depending on the outfit. Do you do you just tuck or do you strap? No, there's no tucking. That's, the I think, the, the most wonderful thing about being a sister, for me anyway, is that we don't wear tights. We don't tuck. We don't wear boobs. I don't wear a wig. I don't have to shave anything. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, so. Just the white and just, then the stuff. Just the yeah. white and the makeup. Um, we're more of a gender fuck than anything. Sure, you sure. know, we're kind of clown. We're clowns. Ah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, no boobs, no tights, n- no shaving. Because it's the habit. It's so the habit. It's just. Yeah. I, I always tell people, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to make you think I'm a girl. I'm really not trying to make you think I'm a girl. I'm just dressing up like a girl. Right. <laughs> you know, there's sure. a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the Hunky Jesus contest. Oh, what would you like to know? Just, we have a <laughs> how many entrants there are? What's Every your favorite year at Easter Jesus? time? We have a giant party in Golden Gate Park. And uh, it's our anniversary party. And people don't realize that. They just call it the Hunky Jesus contest. Um, but it's on Easter Sunday, and so um, we have what's called the Hunky Jesus Contest. Um, we now also have a Foxy Mary Contest for the ladies uh, who like to do that kind of thing. Sexy Mary Magdalene. Fo- yes, Foxy, sexy, Foxy Mary. Foxy Mary. But mm-hmm. Mother or Mary Magdalene? Uh, either one. Of, oh, either one. Either one. Either one. Yes, oh, you get to great. choose. Yes. Um, uh, let me see. <laughs> Most of our Foxy Marys uh, have all been nude. So if you're a lady and, and you want to be a Foxy Mary, uh, you don't have to be nude, but I would say a good 80% of the ladies have come up nude. Uh, my right. favorite was the one with the marijuana leaf over her vagina. Oh, that's nice. She was really pretty. But the Hunky Jesus contest, it just kind of started and it got out of control and now everybody loves it. Yeah. Um, our last, this last year, our winner was uh, Wet T-Shirt G. Jesus with John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized him, you know, poured the water on it. It was That's really cute. Great. That's um, very funny. We even had um, a costume malfunction this year. Really sexy Jesus whose towel fell. So he showed us the full frontal. Everybody nice. loved that. Um, but it happens every year on Easter Sunday in Golden Gate Park. How many people would you say uh, apply to be a hunky Jesus every year? Oh, that's usually we have about 15, 15 to twenty contestants. 15 to twenty. Uh huh. We narrow it down, and I think uh, then the top five we send up to uh, the front, and uh, the crowd picks the winner. Yeah, I've been to that multiple times. Uh, how can people donate to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? They just come to a cool event, or can they donate on your website? Sure, yes, yes, and yes. Right. Um, there is a donate click on our website, and there we usually have buckets with us wherever we go. Uh, so, Or you can just give her a dollar, give a nun a dollar. Sure. And she'll give it to the, to the you know, that one. Who's the one that pay, takes care of all the money? Uh, Mistress of Alms, I think Mistress is what we call alms. her. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh I have, I have more questions about, about the sisters and about being gay in America. Uh, right. What's the... Uh, you live in San Francisco now. I do. So I don't know if you still face, like, a lot of, like, hate. And this is a weird thing to bring up, but what's the worst way you've ever felt, like, subjugated because of your choice? Um, not choice of sexuality, because of the way... Because of your sexuality, because of your... Because Gaines. of me, yeah, because, because of, of me. Yes. Um, I would have to say it was here in San Francisco. Really? And it's really not that bad. It would, someone called me a faggot. Oh. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't been called a faggot since... Uh Gosh, like teenage years. And in years. like a mean way. Uh-huh, in a mean in way. Really yeah, mean in way. a mean way. Hard tea. And it happened here in San Francisco. 
Wow. Yeah, I was, I was like, really? Really? I get called a faggot for the first time in years in San Francisco? Right. Seems strange. The word is coming back because of comedians. Mm-hmm. So Louis C.K. did an act maybe five years ago that's big, and he used he said faggot quite a bit in it. And all of a sudden, all these comedians have decided, and it's like rampant right now. And I've got, I've heard, there's a girl on stage who used it the other day, and I was like... Are they using it in the funny way or they're, in? They're trying. It depends. <laughs> so that's the thing is that it's like it's one of the. I feel like it's women using cunt or black people using the n word. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a word that belongs to a community and that they can use it. But I mean, but then I'm like, it's all language. So. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm, I am not one of those outraged, uh, bleeding hearts that believes uh, I can tell you what to say and what not sure. to say. You can't tell a society of people what they're allowed to say or not say. Right. I mean, you can you can tell them until you're blue in the face. Sure. But it's not going to do a goddamn thing. Right. You know, people are going to say and they're going to act and they're going to feel the way they are, the way they do. Right. Nothing you can say is going to change that. So trying to tell people that they can't use a word. Um, you know, tranny. Do you remember when tranny, that whole thing happened? Right. And we weren't allowed to use the word tranny anymore. Sure. Um, you know, I, I get it. I get it. But people are going to use the word tranny. People are going to use the word nigger. People are going to use the word faggot. People are going to use those words. They're going right. to use them in a funny way and they're going to use them in a hurtful way. Right. Right. All we can do is uh, change how we react to it. Sure. Right. Sure. Sure. So um, pull, your, pull your panties up. Pull your, pull pull your, your panties, panties up. up. Mm-hmm. Come on. Flip, flip them off and walk away. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Exactly. I, I try not to be offended too much by words. I mean, I've been offended when I've been called a cunt on the street. When I've done like I did, I didn't even think I did anything, and someone was it's like, "Such a funny they, word." They said, cunt. "I use it all the time. <laughs> I love it. I love cunt and I love twat. Yeah, oh, I love, twat is twat a fabulous is a fun, word. Yeah, I, I and I'm fine with all those words. I don't have, but I don't know. There's something about the N word that's so charged now, still. Oh, yeah. yeah, and. And the and the and the f word, I guess. Just, but it's. I think it's about the when people are saying it, what they mean by yeah, how they're using the terminology. I, I don't know what. And maybe it's just it's it's so ingrained in our vocabularies that we just. we don't stop to think about what we should be calling them. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're you're an idiot driver. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Focus on what it is you're angry that this person has just done. Right. Don't forget about that and just call them what you know in your vocabulary. You just just don't call them a you know a speck. You just don't right. you don't just come out with the words that we know. You think right. about what it is that's making you so angry about them, and then say something specific to that. Sure, you know yeah. what I mean. It's not about their ethnicity or yeah. their sexual preferences. It's, it's about them sucking at driving or walking or being a human. <laughs> yeah, like, or just being a jerk. So what's the matter with calling somebody a jerk? You jerk, you fucking yeah, jerk. Yeah, you fucking jerk face. <laughs> uh, I was. When I was teaching junior high, uh, the kids in and this was from '97 and 2001. They were still using "gay" like "you're so gay." And in my classroom, I said, "No, no more. You use that. That's not what it means. Gay doesn't mean stupid. Yeah. <laughs> use the word that means the word. What you want. You're yeah. being stupid. You're being stupid. Don't replace. But I also understand because they're a product of their culture. And in the '90s, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but I just walked, walked went back and watched a lot of '90s movies. And in the comedies, 
the butt of every single joke is gay people. Yeah. It's insane. The rampant homophobia in movies in the 90s. Wow. In things like Jingle All the Way. And these are in family movies, right? Jingle All the Way is a terrible movie with Danny DeVito and Matthew Broderick. It is awful. It is just not even worth seeing. But 90% of the jokes they make, the butt of it is that the other person is gay or somehow a homosexual in some way. Yeah. And I started noticing this in 90s movies and I'm like... Did we not, how did we not notice this? I mean, I was out of college by that point and I still didn't even see Uh it. Yeah, or or caricatures. Caricatures, yeah. yeah. We're either the butt of the joke or or, or gay. Uh, Yeah. Like really gay. Uh, Yeah, and the the super lispy thing Uh or the super, and just this stereotyping of homophobia. Yeah. In the, and I, I took till, I mean, it took me to be in like 2016 to look back and watch these movies and be like, no wonder we think this way. Yeah. Look at what Hollywood was telling us yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, I remember when uh, Will and Grace came out, I was like, this is the first time I'm look- I am look. remember looking at gay people and going, oh, wait, so we're not caricatures anymore? All of a sudden <laughs> yeah. we get like real people and they're just gay. They just happen to be gay. I was very excited about that. Yeah. I, the show is not so good, but at least I know we were being portrayed as people. Represented, Not yeah. as dress-wearing, earring-wearing, you know, f- fruits. Right. Little fruits. Because, you know, some of us are and some of us aren't. <laughs> You know, sure. yeah. And Will was a, he was a masculine character, but th- that's the thing. Well, yeah, he wasn't masculine. He wasn't feminine. He was he, just a guy. He was just a guy. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's funny how we uh, characterize people, and and we just we it's want to put them in boxes. Thing. Yeah, we it's wanna, that understanding. I want to understand what they're. You know, I've seen some. I mean, one thing I love about gay dudes is that. Overall, they have a tendency to care more about their appearance <laughs> than straight dudes. Yeah. And I really enjoy the glamour pump. I love it when you uh, you know you're going out with a bunch of dudes, and before they go in, you know, with their they know they're going to take their shirt off. Whatever. They do a bunch of push-ups to get the glamour pump they on, do? right? Yes, hot guy. I go to the Eagle quite a bit, and uh-huh. I enjoy I enjoy the Eagle. The back patio is enormous and wonderful. Yeah, I like it. But um, it's usually the twink the twink guys that are like, I look so good, and then they do their push-ups <laughs> and they walk in. They're like, I am ripped, and I'm like, You look great, and they have the little. But straight guys just straight guys just let themselves go, you know. In their forties, they're like, Ah, eh, fuck it. Yeah, isn't but, that strange how that happens? I don't know what I that don't is. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I'm bummed about it too. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm glad younger. about it though because you know I'm 50 years old and nobody <laughs> thinks I'm 50. Yeah. Because I'm so pretty and young looking, so well groomed, as yes. you say. <laughs> uh, what are your? Do you have fun plans for Folsom? Do you enjoy that? I'm going to be doing that show. The last day of that oh, show is on the day of Folsom. So this gotcha. is actually the first Folsom that I have to miss. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it so much because Folsom is a whoo, it's, it's a big thing. Yeah. Um, I like Dory Alley. Have you been to sure, Dory Alley? Absolutely. Yeah, yes. that's like Folsom for the locals. And that, to right. me, that's a better party. Absolutely. Um, Folsom gets a little... I. I um, uh, I get a little, uh, not, I'm not going to say social anxiety disorder, but when it's really crowded, so I am 6'1", so I'm just tall enough that in a crowd, I'm looking at an undulating horizon, yeah. and it makes me seasick. Wow. And just because of my height, you know sure, what I mean? Sure, I'm, sure, sure, sure. I can't sure. see the ground. All I can see is heads bobbing up and down, and that makes me ill. So um, I can handle it, but when I don't have to, it makes me happy. And so yeah. I'll be doing a show this year. Awesome. That'll be great. Uh, but it's a fun thing. I it like is also. fun. I actually just purchased, well, my boyfriend purchased it for me, but it's this really great leather bra thing, except that there's 
pasties. So there's little pasties on the nipples that are attached to chains to the to the oh, leather yeah. part, and then it in the front, and it has it's in the back like a like a belt, and at the neck like a belt. And yeah. I love it. I think I know just what you're talking about. It's exciting because I get to show 180 percent side boob, but I don't <laughs> feel like I'm naked at all. And I'm I don't I only like my nipples when they're hard, so I wouldn't want to like go out in public unless I could assure that my nipples would be hard the whole time. You just have to flick them. You just have to keep. Right, I know, them. but that's just so. Then I'd be like drawing attention <laughs> to. The, you know what? That that leads me to question on the Facebook: Why are boys' nipples allowed, but girls' nipples aren't? Oh, absolutely. Can you answer that question? I have a new. I actually have a new joke about this because okay. side boob is acceptable in PG thirteen movies. You can uh-huh. have as much side boob as you want as long as you don't show the nipples. So what I'm asking is for equality in movies, and what I want to see is some side scrote. So if a guy like cups his balls and his dick is hard, so it's out of the shot. Uh-huh. What you've got is a big bunch of beautiful side scrote. Uh-huh. I want to see it maybe a little furry, maybe not furry. Maybe maybe <laughs> there could be a great like Martin Scorsese shot where there's a guy getting out of a pool and so his balls are still in the pool but his like you see that like sun coming through his scrotum. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a beautiful p- Yes, when, it, when they're glass. glowing like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that I feel like that's a PG-13 move because you're not showing any genitals. You're not showing any nipple or anything like that. You're just, just a little side scrote. It's, it's the side scrote just like the side boob. I think it's PG-13 worthy and I think that we should change But now remember movies. if he's getting out of a pool then there's going to be some shrinkage so there's not as much hang as Right. That's why they have to be older dudes. That's what, what I think is exciting is that it's going to side scrote's really going to bring like the 50, 60 year old balls back into play. Good, good. You know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah. like those 50, yeah, 60 year old balls. Yeah, let it hang. <laughs> I love that. Do your balls hang low? Do they wobble well, we'll too? Can you tie them in a Can you tie them in a bow? Like a continental soldier. Do your balls hang low? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's the scrote, and I just I want to see some side scrote. Are you a fan of fem- the scrote? Well, I, just for feminism, I think it's about equality. Fair, fair and, is fair. But I am. I do enjoy. Uh, it's fun sometimes to try to take one ball and stick it in the sack of the other ball, but you can never do that. I find that fun to try to play with that. Sometimes you know, you try to move it over. It doesn't work. Do you remember the puppetry of the penis? Do you remember that? I do. Oh, I that do. was so fun. My, fa- I still from this time from time to time will make the hamburger with mine, <laughs> just because it's so fun. <laughs> Batwing or the there was a there was a show. Oh, the Batwing. Oh yeah, everybody does the Batwings. They, uh, there was a puppet show in Vegas that was. Uh, puppetry of the penis and uh-huh. they had the whole show and there were guys behind a thing and they had it all with the and they'd swirl them around at the end and, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like, saw it in Chicago when yeah, I, I lived in Chicago it came there and I went to see it and I was like this is entertaining it, yeah, came, they came out with capes if I remember correctly like Superman capes and that's all they were wearing yeah. and then they began to do the puppetry of the penis I think that we need to sort of free the body I, I feel like, like why we get so hung up with why is you it know. that you're, why is it that the television stations are all allowed to show us uh, people killing each other, gorging, go, uh, cutting their, uh, yeah. slicing, and and sure. that's fine, but the naked body is filthy. I don't understand that. Right. Why? Why is why is killing a okay? Sure. Right, but then. But the body is the not. Bo- well, that's what I'm loving about you know HBO shows like Game of Thrones. They're showing full front, and they started with Oz back in the early like 2001. Yeah, oh my God, I love that Malone. show. Yes, hello. There, I mean, I was like, this is great show, <laughs> naked guys, <laughs> sex and stuff. I was I was so into that. that was show. Hot. I was super hot. It was super hot. It was jail hot, and they were, <laughs> and I was like, but they were like the first people to say like. Hey, we can show dicks on screen, and it's not this because they were showing boobs the whole time. It's never been a thing. Yeah. And we're like, but you don't 
boobs and butts, but no, no frontal. Dicks. But now, but now we get it all. But now it's good. Yeah. So we I like don't. That. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, and especially children and nudity. Let children love being nude. Yeah. Why do we? Why do why we do change we do? things and um, make us all? Yeah, I think that maybe there'll be a turning point when the the, bo- the body, like you're saying, when we show the body on HBO, and it's not sex. You know, like in Europe, when there's just nudity on television, the commercials, they're just nude people. They're not having sex. They just happen to be nude. Right. And we don't. I don't think we're there yet. Um, when we do show the naked body, what is happening? It's having sex, right? Sure, it's sure, very sure, rarely sure. just being. Right. Right. Um, I think if we can, if we can lean towards that and start showing the nude body on television, just. Being, just being, then then we'll yeah. be all right. And and good for God's sake, quit telling your children that their bodies are filthy. Right, exactly. What the hell? What is, yeah, it just How messes are we up. Supposed to love sex? ourselves yeah. if you're telling them that your dick is okay. So here's the thing: I don't wash my hands after I pee. You know why? Because my hands are clean and my dick is clean, and I know where my dick has been all day. So don't tell me I'm filthy because I don't wash my hand after touching it. Well, you should wash your hands before you touch your. You dick should wash your hands before you, you touch. You know it. you took a shower. You put on the clean. <laughs> drawers you know your dick is clean yeah it's been in a hermetically sealed clean place all day all day so you want to wash your hands before your hands are dirtier than your dick that's of right they are that's right and that's that's strange to it's me it's a too. silly thing we yeah. it's a silly thing i got the opportunity to perform naked at a uh, perform comedy naked at a nudist colony in Santa Cruz, before you get to Santa Cruz, on the 17 and uh, in Campbell. And it was really fun. And I felt, it was so funny because I felt more comfortable when I was on stage because I performed and then I was hosting. So I was up and down quite a bit. And when I was on stage and naked, I had no problem with it. But when I sat down, I kept feeling weird. But when I was on stage performing, I had no problem with it whatsoever. And I don't shave. So I have like a, a hair 70s skirt. 70s bush. Oh, it's so, it's like a hair skirt. You can't nice. see anything. You have no idea what's going on down there because there's just so much hair. <laughs> She's retro. So I'm super, oh, I'm lazy <laughs> is the thing. It has to do with laziness. Uh-huh. So I just don't shave because, not because of feminism, just just because you're lazy. Because I'm lazy. And now I have a hair skirt. So I, I, if if you do, I mean, I would consider being in the Sexy Mary contest just because I don't have a problem being naked yeah. at all. I you don't. Do it. All you need is a name. That's all you need is the name. Yeah. You know, uh, that's that's the funnest part of the Hunky Jesus contest is the name. You have to come up with a funny name. Right, right. And, a, and it, some cute little gimmick. Like the mm-hmm. one year I saw, it was the, they were fucking Jesus or there was a fake Jesus. Uh-huh. It was, they had it, a blow up Jesus or something, and then they uh, were something else, and it was yes, very cheeky. It was, uh, it was um, Jesus fucking, fucking, Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus That's fucking what it was. Christ. It was Jesus That's what fucking it was. Christ. So it was Jesus, and then and another Jesus, and he Christ. was fucking Christ. Uh-huh. It was very, very funny. Yeah, I thought, that was a good win, one. I remember that, that one. Huh? Did they win that they year? They did win that year. Okay, good. Because I remember seeing that and being like, ha <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. My favorite was Funky Jesus. Um, did you see Funky Jesus? Um, he came out and he uh, he 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 actually dragged a cross over his shoulder. He actually had a cross with him. Yeah. And when he got it on stage, he flipped it over and he and it was a guitar. Oh my and, uh, god! It was really hot. He started grinding it. It was just amazing. Funky yeah. Jesus won. Yeah. Well, I should bring. That's what I should do for Mary. I should do something with a pole. I should. 
bring a portable stripper pole or something and do a little do a little thing do a little act you could there. do that yeah I could do yeah that. you could yeah. do you know those poles they travel now. they travel now. <laughs> yeah they do it's amazing I don't know how they do but they do yeah uh, well it's, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up what other things what other things do you believe in uh, if you give us a to- give us the top five of things things to, that uh, I believe in things that you believe in oh my goodness I believe in me yay and that's I be- unusual <laughs> I believe in kindness Ooh. Um, I believe in art and I believe in music yeah and uh let me see that's four that's four i believe in i believe in love oh that's, that's so cliche no, it's okay. stupid but i do yeah. i do believe it do you are you in a are you in a nice solid committed relationship oh no i oh, haven't no, been in no. a committed relationship in like 10 years oh wow yeah. uh, by choice or by uh well i'm a little picky ah. uh, i'm a little picky so it's not by choice but it is by choice i see yeah yeah. Yeah. It's got to be, it's got to be the real thing. I'm not right. looking for just someone to pretend like they're my boyfriend. You know what I mean? Right. No, I know exactly what you mean. That's, you to, it the, seems the to be, situationship seems to be what's going on right. these days. I need you and you need me. So we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. Or, you know, I don't want that. I don't need anyone. Sure. Yeah. Wow. I've been alone my whole life. So I want someone, but I don't need them. Yeah. So I can be picky, you see. That's a really <laughs> healthy way to look at it. Yeah. And uh, you believe in Yoohoo. This is a this oh. is a throwback drink. This Yoohoo is my favorite drink. Is it? It is my favorite drink. I don't drink soda. I don't drink Fanta. I, time to time, drink a Dr. Pepper or a cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. But it's uh, Yoohoo and Malta. Those are the, those are the drinks I like. Wow. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're old school. I am That's totally awesome. old school. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Sister of Perpetual Indulgence. You're Rosemary welcome. Chicken. That's right. And thank you so much, Pablo, for being here. Yale. That can be on. And uh, this has been Some Call Me Tim. Do we have any last words for our listening audience? Anything important that's happening in the city that you want them to go to? Oh, Sunday. This Sunday at Laughing Monk Brewery. There's a fun. Oh, yeah. There's a a sister's fundraiser from noon to four. Come play bingo and twister, and there are going to be fresh baked biscuits and everything there. It's going to be great. And Laughing Monk makes delicious and wonderful beer. Yes, they do. And And their next door neighbors make whiskey out of that beer, and it's just as good. Wow. (laughs) Badass. And uh, any other last words, Pablo? Uh, let's see here. Well, let's see here. Rosa McCann's tonight down in Santa Cruz. Blue Lagoon tomorrow. And coming up in November, I think, first weekend in November, um, the last late night comedy show returns. All right. Sweet. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to Some Call Me Tim. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be back next week with more talk about God, belief, and the universe and everything. Stuff. Yeah, stuff. Thanks so much. Bye. of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship 
as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Want to spend a summer Sunday laughing your cares away? Then come join the fun at San Francisco's Comedy Day. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs, and it's free. Besides our annual celebration of stand-up, did you know that Comedy Day offers workshops that teach Bay Area students how to use humor to resolve conflict? Comedy Day is so serious about ending bullying, it's banning all comedians from using the following phrases. Knee slapping, side splitting, break a leg, bust a gut, knock them dead. Those words hurt. But Comedy Day feels good. It's fun for the whole family. Did I mention it's free? Hey, comedy fans, don't miss the 37th Annual Comedy Day, the original longest-running free outdoor comedy concert in the world. The funny starts at noon on Sunday, September 17th at Sharon Meadow in Golden Gate Park, San Francisco. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs. It's free! 
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find counter-offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Anything you try has already been done before, and there's nothing really you can do about it. So remember to avoid taking risks and to whisper into feathers together in the dark. It's the right thing to do, and viewers like you. When the circus is in town, it's time for a train ride. The best circus town train rides are the dependable ones that'll depart and arrive on time. The ones that'll take you from clown to trapeze quad elephant, see? But come on the train with the circus promise. It's intense.
Jackie's Soul Shakedown Party tonight. Alright folks, as you know... As you know, Shaggy's Soul Shakedown is every Thursday... Every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. here on mutinyradio.fm. What's with the limp? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great, because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. It's not business. It's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> 